Hey, fellow traveler, welcome to the Third Eye Awakening podcast, a show where we talk all about spiritual and psychic awakening, magic, the shift from 3D to 5D, star seeds, ascension, multiple timelines, multiple dimensions, the universe, the multiverse, the Akashic records, all the good things. I am your host, Amy Belair, and I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Okay, let's do this. Hi, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Third Eye Awakening. Today, I'm sharing a conversation about the subtleties and the nuances and the beautiful dance between the feminine and masculine energies that impacts all of us. And I feel like this is a really um, pertinent and poignant topic right now as I personally go through like a very deep dance of healing and re- Um, I guess rebalancing between the divine feminine, divine masculine in my own life internally and also within like the relationships and structures in my life. And I imagine that a lot of you are going through the same thing. If you want to know more about what I mean and kind of a little bit of what I'm talking about with the balancing of divine feminine, divine masculine, you can watch the lives that I did this week. I did one in soul space and one on Instagram, but they're both available on YouTube. Wherein I talk about like the, this purging we're going through the grief waves, like how intense it is, how, um, I have even been questioning if I'm going crazy and even like having moments of wanting to go back into the matrix honestly, like having my cipher moment of wanting to be able to take whatever I like, take the, the blue pill again and just go back to sleep because it just is feeling so intense lately. And then I also talked in another live about the Lemurian wound where I really go into that, um, interplay between the divine feminine, divine masculine, and some of the initial core Akashic wounds that I personally have tapped into just recently in myself, but also in um, a handful of Akashic clients over the last few years. So if you're interested in more um, about either of those topics, you can find my lives on YouTube. And otherwise... I don't think I'm going to ramble too long today, honestly, surprisingly. (laughs) It helps that I have a call starting in 10 minutes, but I do want to remind you all and invite you all to join me on Monday, August 21st at 2 p.m. Eastern. If you can join live, that would be amazing. If you can't and you want to catch the replay, you still can, Um, but I am hosting a free masterclass about manifesting your pregnancy your baby, your child. And it's also going to bleed through into the energetics of manifesting those deep, um, deeply intimately bonded soul relationships, those soul connections. So it can be family members that aren't necessarily like maybe your, your siblings, maybe your parents, something like that. It can be chosen family as Marissa and I discuss on today's podcast. It can be romantic relationships. It can be deep soul friendships. If you are really feeling like a loneliness or a longing inside of yourself for the these deeper, intimate, connected relationships, then this masterclass will benefit you. But just heads up, like I'm very much going to be presenting it through the lens of 
um, manifesting a pregnancy, a baby, or a child, because that is a very fucking tough code to crack, my friends. It is very tough to crack that code. There is so much pain there. There is so much confusion, so much misinformation, so much superstition. And I've waded through a lot of it, both like as an individual, myself on my own journey, as well as um, with midwifery clients, with friends, and with former Akashic clients. And I feel very confident now that I can share understandings that I have um, come up with. Sorry, I got distracted by a message coming through. That I can share understandings that I have um, obtained through the process, my own journey, and just observing other people's journeys I feel like I can really contribute to the dispelling of superstition and misunderstanding and really helping people to zero in on the specific piece for them that needs to be targeted in order to manifest a pregnancy, a baby, or a child. And like I said, like this code is such a tough one to crack, but I feel very confident that I've cracked it. And I would really like to share this information with you. I'm presenting it all for free. If you can't attend live, the replay will totally be available. All you have to do is sign up for it. There is a link in the show notes. There is um, a link probably in my Instagram stories. Let me think. I will talk to May and we will figure out where to put a link. Maybe a link on my website. I don't know. Somewhere that you can absolutely for sure find it. If you're on my email list, I'll email you about it again. I try not to email my list too often. But um, there's a link in Soul Space. I'm trying to put it everywhere. If you don't, if you're not really trying to manifest a a pregnancy, like you're not calling in a spirit baby, spirit child, um, a deeply bonded, like true soulmate, romantic partnership, etc., or any other deep soul bond, then, but you know somebody who is and is open to more spiritual things, please share this masterclass with them. It just feels very important to me, very important right now to bring these soul, um, these soul bonded relationships back to the forefront and to reunite souls that have been separated. So that's my free offering. My other free offering is, uh, my free weekly tarot and Akashic readings. If you haven't heard about them already, these are free readings that I do every week. It's a collective energy report, um, but the information is designed to be applicable to you as an individual as well. And I personally think that they're really good, which is why I like to share them for free. I used to have them on my Patreon. Now I've switched it over to um, an email share. It's free. All you have to do is sign up to receive them. There's no commitment, no payment. Anything is ever required. You can you know, unsubscribe anytime you want. And they are audio readings. So it's kind of like getting an additional secret podcast from me about the energies that we're going through. So you can sign up for that. The link for that will be in the show notes. The link for that is definitely on my Instagram, like in my little link in bio, the little link tree. If you're an, if you're not an Instagram person, there's a thing in the Instagram bio. Like when you go to my profile and you see like, co-keeper of the holographic matrix and then blah, 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 blah. At the bottom, there's a little clickable link that says something like Amy Valera link tree or something like that. Anyway, it's at the bottom of that uh, little list of links that come up. So you can sign up there. Uh, 
and then what else do I want to share with you? Oh, I have been loving doing these manifestation calls, these one-to-one manifestation calls where I just help you get clear on your manifestation, troubleshoot what's going on, and just gear you up to quantum leap and like actually change your reality. So I'm going to open up more of those. You can find all the links necessary there too. And I think that's it. I think that's what I've got for you today. So as always, just check my website, check my um, link tree in Instagram. Those are the places where you will most easily and readily find the information that I'm talking about here in case you're one of those people that can't click on the link in the show notes. Like, I don't know. I can always click on them in Apple. I listen to my, my podcast in Apple and the links always work, but I don't know about the other podcast platforms like, um, Google podcasts or Spotify or whatever. So I apologize if I keep saying the link is in the bio and you can't access it, but that is where we are putting it, um, or sorry, in the show notes. If you can't find it, check my website and then check my link tree in my Instagram bio. Hopefully that wasn't too confusing. Okay. I'm going to stop now. I love you all. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you have an amazing day and an amazing week. I just adore you. I'm so grateful for you. Truly so grateful to have you in my life. And I will catch you on the other side. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Third Eye Awakening. Today, I have with me a guest, Marissa Lawton, who is a conduit for ancient women's wisdom who guides feminine seekers to reclaim their divine power. As a former licensed therapist who left the medical model of mental health care, Marissa had a behind-the-scenes look into how patriarchal systems and structures continue to diminish women's ability to rise up. And her work in the world is to change that. By helping women reconnect to nature's rhythms, Marissa aims to reintroduce long-denied mysteries and reestablish deep feminine roots around the world. Thank you for being here, Marissa. I'm so excited for this conversation. So to begin with, would you share with us your spiritual awakening journey and how you came to be sharing conversations like this as what you do? Yeah. Thank you, Amy, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Before we hit record, you kind of said, what was your awakening process? Are you somebody who was always awake? Um, And I, in hindsight, kind of think both about myself. So I had a unique upbringing in the sense that my parents both were raised in strict Catholic school and then in the 60s became like flaming hippies um, and they had me later in life. So I grew up like listening to the Grateful Dead, like incense burning in my house, like all of this stuff. So um, crystals everywhere. So with out really knowing it, I was exposed to kind of spiritual tools or things that we would think were woo or, you know, out there or whatever, just in my daily life. Like that was just like how it was, but also at the same time, my parents divorced when I was quite young. They, they split up when I was five. Um, and I was fortunate that I still had my dad in my life. I still, we had like, you know, regular court mandated visitations and things. So still very much had a father figure, but, um, there was absolutely like a rupture in the house and there was an absence of masculine energy. Um, And so even at a very young age, I took that on. I became 
um, very masculine in terms of like, get the straight A's, perform, be productive, achieve the goals, all of those things. Um, So (laughs) I'm thinking back to college, this memory is just coming to me really quickly is like, I had an altar in college but I didn't even really realize like what it was. It's just like, I'd, oh, I'd grown up with, you know, altars all around my house, not knowing what they were. And yet at the same, so all this reverence and this holy place in my dorm room. Um, and yet I'm studying like finance to be an investment banker. So kind of a very, like, um, a, a, a real like juxtaposition there, like a real difference. Um, keep keeping going with my awakening process is, um, I had been so much in my masculine energy that I actually lost my monthly cycle um, and lost my period, which is something that actually I find is very common with the women that I work with. Um, There's just a lack of embodiment, a lack of connection to the body and the body wisdom. And so through that process, I actually had to get um, do fertility treatment to get pregnant with my first daughter. And that really kind of blew things open. It helped me get back connected with my body re-examine like the foods I was eating, re-examine the household products that I was using. So it started kind of on a very, um, mainstream or like basic kind of level, but very quickly opened the door to spiritual, right? Like not only why am I eating this, but what is the, what is the sacredness of what I'm eating? What's the relationship, the spiritual relationship between my body and the food I'm eating, you know? And then that was my first doorway as an adult. And from there, everything just opened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, as you're talking, I'm really, it's so interesting, the timing of this conversation, because on Monday I'm hosting a free masterclass about manifesting pregnancy or a baby Mm -hmm. or a child. And it's very much coming from that recognition. Like it's, it's, um, not going against the piece of the medical component of like, let's say a fertility journey, but it's acknowledging all those deep layers of energetic. And I don't know if if you know, um, but I'm an Akashic records reader. So I also can see like the, the past life implications and, you know, like you described the wound with your father, which is a huge wound. I have a five-year-old daughter and I like, I could cry right now, just thinking about how profoundly it would affect her Mm -hmm. if her father and I divorced. Yeah. And, um, and then I think like, just in my own curiosity, I'm like, Whoa, I wonder what's in Marissa's Akashic records. Like I, oh, want, I want a reading please. What else is echoing in there <laughs> yes. and come to the surface through this. Anyway, that's just my Scorpio self thinking super deep, but love it. Oh, well, I love, I love what you're saying. And just, I would love to have a conversation about the nuances of masculine and feminine energy with you, because I think like I mean, you probably see this in your work since you specialize in one, um, one of the genders mm-hmm. and we're also in the midst of very intense conversations about, um, non-binary and right. like identification and all that stuff. So I feel like the idea or the understanding of masculine and feminine energy is very nuanced and very subtle and important to grasp, but it's very easy to lose, especially nowadays. And even myself, I don't feel like I always have, like, sometimes I feel like I get it pinned down and then it feels like so much bigger than me that I can't quite 
you know, grasp it. So I would love to hear um, some of the ways that you understand, I guess, like maybe we can start at the surface level of how we understand masculine energy and then just go a layer deeper too. Yeah, totally. I want to say like with my work, I do kind of specialize in women because menstruation was part of a huge part of my journey. And it's definitely something that I talk about, but that doesn't mean that I don't have, um, trans and non-binary people in my programs and even men in my programs and things. It's just, that's where my lens is from. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a good way to think about it too, because masculine and feminine energy are not gendered. Every person has access to both. And even though my work right now currently is helping people bring their feminine online. Ultimately, I think it's about sacred union. And when we hear that term thrown around sacred union, we're, we're usually hearing that in an intimate relationship kind of way, but you can have sacred union in yourself as well. Like a, a, a balance. Some people like that word. Some people don't, but like of the feminine and masculine within yourself too. So it doesn't only have to be external in relationship. So totally. Um, we've been talking a little bit about parenting. So I like to use this example, um, to show that like, it doesn't have to be just women who have feminine energy, right? What comes into play is our conditioning, you know, the way that we were raised in our immediate family and also societal conditioning, because let's say a five-year-old child scrapes their knee, right? Traditionally, we might see the father, say, oh, you're fine. Rub some dirt on it. Just get up and go back playing. And again, traditionally we might see the mother be like, oh, poor baby. And poor that nurturing, but there is nothing to say that that father can't get down on the child's level and say, oh my gosh, you hurt yourself. That must be so painful. I'm so sorry. Right. To get into a nurturing place, to get into a witnessing place. It doesn't, men are fully capable of doing that. A lot of times they've just been raised not to do that. They've been conditioned not to do that. So I like to bring that example in to show that it's not gendered. Anybody has access to this, um, what, whatever you identify. It's an energetic state. It's a state of being, not a gender. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I, I like to sort of see it as like the masculine energy has a projecting quality to it, which obviously makes sense because that is the way that the masculine energy works when we're coming together in the old PMV. Right. Um, And then women are the feminine energy, sorry, is receptive. But just like you said, we all have both of those aspects. And I understand what you mean with the word balance, because it's not always like a 50, 50 balance. Right. It's like somebody could be predominantly feminine energy forward, And they could be a man or a woman, or they could be choosing to be somewhere in the scale of non-binary, which is still binary because binary, uh, or they could be like predominantly masculine or left brain dominant or something like that in their energy. But it's just about bringing them into that, like you said, the sacred union Mm -hmm. so that like internally within ourselves, we feel like we know when we're calling upon our masculine energy or when that is naturally what comes forward. And when we're calling upon our feminine energy and when is that is more naturally what is coming forward and not feeling so, um, basically like subconsciously guided by our conditioning and our wounding. Like that's just the issue that I think is really going on here. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, and I also think there are people who are on the spiritual journey and they think 
oh, I need to be more feminine. And so they're denying their masculine Mm -hmm. or vice versa. Right. And I, I don't think it's about that. There's some relationship coaches that I see that are what they're actually really doing is propping up patriarchy and pop propping up these conditional systems by saying men need to be masculine and women need to be feminine in the relationship. And it's just not true. I, I, I would love a better word for balance flow comes to mind. I don't love that either because that's usually typically thought of as feminine flow. Right. So it feels weird either way, but yes, like a, a going back and forth of right. And what I think is when you're in your power is when you're intentionally calling which one you need, right? Because if we were all feminine all of the time, nothing would get done. I'm sorry. It just wouldn't. We'd be having philosophical conversations about our emotions and it'd be beautiful, but nothing would get done. And if we were all in our masculine individually and collectively as a society, we can kind of see the ramifications of that because that's how society has been for a long time. It's all about the output. It's all about the productivity. And there's not any room for emotion, any room for feeling, any room for rest, any room for flow. Um, so we really don't want to be either, or it want, you want it to be almost a dance between the two. And when you're in your power, you can like read the room basically and say, okay, what do I need in this moment? Oh, I need a little bit more focus. Okay. Let me, let me get in an energetic state. Let me turn on my masculine and let me have that penetrative focus. Oh, you know what? I've been working really hard. It's time for some rest. It's time for some joy. It's time for some flow. Let me activate that. Let me turn that on and then step more into the feminine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The the word dance is coming to mind for me too. It's like a beautiful dance. And that's what we're sort of, I think what, honestly, I think it's what's being required of us um, collectively. Yeah. And some of us are feeling an awareness of that to some degree or another. And so we're kind of like trying to, um, learn this dance on a conscious level and others just are not realizing it. They haven't got the memo. So, you know, they're seeing it play out in all kinds of weird dysfunctional ways in life. But I think that that's it is like, we're being required to remember the dance Mm -hmm. and, and be in that dance again. I heard somebody say once, which I thought was so beautiful is like the feminine is the dreamer that Mm -hmm. like, the seer, the dreamer, the oracle, that part that's like tapping into the vision and connecting with it. And then she hands it to the masculine and he makes it happen. And it's so that he can give it to her and, and she can be like, so happy. And he just feels like such a badass. And we all carry those two parts within ourselves in ourselves. Yes. That's key. When we think about mythology, right. And mythology is of course rooted in reality. There was an oracle at the table you know, that governor, that king, that ruler, you know, clansman, whatever was, you know, they were having their meetings of what's happening with our peoples. And there was an oracle at the table. And I feel like that's what we've, we've gotten away from, right? We dismissed all of the feminine intuition, all the feminine wisdom, all the feminine mystery, magic, all of that. And said, oh, that's, that's foolish, or that's dangerous or whatever. Many reasons the feminine was shut out. And for a long time, decisions have been made without any of that presence, right? So we're feeling that come back on now. And again, we're, we can see this in governments. We can see this in, in all of the systems and structures, and we can see this in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I'm curious, like, <clears throat> how do you see these things playing out with your 
clients and the work that you do, what are some of the themes that come up a lot in your work? Yeah, I think that there's kind of three main ones, again, working predominant, predominantly with women, but the first is health, which is interesting because health was my doorway in, um, unbalanced hormones, exhaustion, depletion, feeling run down, feeling burnt out. Um, a lot of that is because the, the restoration, the restorative side of the feminine is not on the cyclical, right? When we look at the, um, you know, the planting cycle, for instance, that's just one that we can source from nature, but the fields have to be fallow, right? We plant, Mm -hmm. they grow, we harvest, and then the fields are fallow. That's when nutrients go back in the soil. That's when the soil regenerates so that we can plant again, right? And living in the patriarchy and in the the capitalistic society and all of those things, we're not allowing fallow fields. Mm -hmm. We're just productive all of the time. So health is one that I see. And the other two are a little bit more kind of internal, um, but taking up space, women are afraid to take up space. I think this goes back to some of the wounding that you've talked about because we have which wound. So if we stand up in our magic, then we're persecuted, right? So there's, there's ancestral wounding there makes us afraid to, to take up space. We also have things like sister wounds where we're competing with each other for you know, the, the spot, the approval, the, to be picked, right. So that's sister one. So we're afraid to take up space because of bullying or teasing or anything like that. There's also mother wounds, father wounds, all of these things, those impact our ability to take up space. And then ultimately like self-trust, if we don't know how to take up space, we don't know how to trust ourselves. Um, so those are really the three themes that I'm, I'm working predominantly with people. And a lot of my students are entrepreneurs as well. So we're, ha- we're working on this in their lives, but we're also seeing this in their business. Like I'm um, working so hard, I'm burning out, right? I'm, I'm hurting my health or I'm afraid to speak up in my business or, and take up space in my business, or I'm afraid to trust myself to make decisions in my business. So I'm outsourcing to a coach or I'm outsourcing to this or whatever. So I see this not only on the lifestyle side, but in the business side as well. Mm -hmm. Which I think is like, as someone having a business, I think it's very, um, it's such a process to recognize it and learn how to separate from the, because business, even the concept of it is very masculine. Yeah. I don't know if it is masculine. It's probably just neutral, but the concept of it and the energy, the predominant energy around it and the way business is seen and understood and conducted is very masculine. And so it's almost like you have to get into the masculine energy in order to be in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then figure out from the inside, like, whoa, how do I unmasculine this? Exactly. How, how do I um, make it a softer experience? And it's, it's hard. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think business as a container is neutral. I think we've been taught and conditioned Mm -hmm. to believe that the way to have success is through a masculine path. But even that definition of what success is, is masculine. It is individualized. It is in the pursuit of more. And feminine success is different. Feminine success is communal. It benefits me and everybody else, not just me. And feminine success is um, cyclical. There's not always a pursuit of more. So 
when we're thinking about business from a masculine and feminine way, the first thing we have to do is redefine our terms of success. And then we can redefine the ways we approach that success and, and have our approach have a little bit more feminine energy. Again, we're not going to want to only be in our feminine because then nothing will get done. Like you have some, an event coming up on Monday. I'm sure there were things that had to be done for that event, like slides to be made or emails to be written or whatever. Right. Like if there's no masculine energy present in the business, it's like, oh yeah, I'm dreaming about this event on Monday, but the event on Monday isn't actually happening until you start doing the things. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's where that dance comes in. Mm -hmm, Totally. And I think too, like, as you were talking, I was like, there's an important distinction as well between the wounded masculine paradigms Mm -hmm. and the wounded feminine paradigms and the exalted masculine paradigms and the exalted feminine paradigms. So like, for example, if somebody's listening and you're like, I don't uh, understand how I have feminine energy or how I have masculine energy. Some examples would be that come to mind for me would be a lot of us are in our wounded of either, or, so we're not recognizing it when we're here, hearing people talk about like the empowered version of it. So the wounded feminine would be just that being in an ideas phase all the time and, um, always getting excited about the new idea, but never really being never being able to get that focus and momentum to take the first step and then the next step and then the next step, right? Sometimes there's like a first step, but it doesn't get, it doesn't get any traction because we're still stopping. And that's a wounded um, feminine kind of thing. And then the wounded masculine is that sort of like um, obsessive goal-driven wanting to control for everything, uh, like wanting to take everything into consideration, always expecting, like I think about corporations, for example, like my youngest sister works for Starbucks and she Mm -hmm. was telling me once, this was a long time ago, but she was telling me about how their projected profits, um, like the goal that they set every year is at least 10%. And I was like, 10% growth a year. That's insane. Like that's unsustainable. (laughs) And like, then what happens heads roll when you get to the point where it can't be sustained. And like, it's, that's wounded masculine, right? So it's not that like the patriarchy is not men suck. The patriarchy is wounded masculine paradigms that are like leading the show for Mm -hmm. everybody, whether it suits anyone or not. 100%. The patriarchy is just as damaging to men as it is to women. Um, Because then the men are expected to prop it up. And if they don't, or they refuse, or they can't, then what happens? So exactly what you're talking about. I like to look at it it, from a three phase, immature, mature, and toxic, toxic, wounded, Mm -hmm. kind of what you're talking about here. And, and the difference is the consciousness, right? Um, a immature is acting from just not having any consciousness of it. Toxic is conscious manipulation. You're conscious Mm -hmm. of what you're doing, but you're, you're using it to manipulate. So, you know, um, toxic feminine, does this in a couple of ways. If we're in our seductress energy, it, using sex, like using sex to get what you want or withholding sex to get what you want, that's, you know what you're doing. You're consciously manipulating the situation. We also see this though, like in maiden energy, let's say you just have a fight with your partner and rather than step up and say, hey, you know, that fight sucked. Can we have a discussion about it? Da, 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 da. You go um, to your partner with a jar of pickles and you're like, can you open this for me, please? 
right? You're trying to make up, but you're like feigning um, like incompetence. That would be Mm. toxic maiden, right? Talk like that youthful energy, but using it consciously to manipulate the situation. Um, Whereas, you know, healthy and mature is conscious change making, right? So you're, you're going into the, the um, situation consciously to better it, right? To better it for yourself and to better it for the community. So those are kind of three different layers. Most of us are in, are immature, right? We, we go through the day without even really kind of thinking about what we're doing with our energy. Um, and we might be mature in one type of energy. Like I feel like I'm pretty mature in my mother. Um, when I show up for my kids, I'm doing that with intention. I'm really paying attention to my interactions and stuff, but there's other energies that I definitely am immature of. Cause I've, I'm just unconscious of them or, you know, I still have toxic tendencies, toxic traits in other energies. And the mm-hmm. same is true on the masculine side. Absolutely. I think that, I think it's really beautiful that you offered that, that like you, and I truly believe everybody, like literally every single one of us are cycling through toxic masculine and feminine energies, meaning that we are aware on some level, it's not completely unconscious. We know that we are yeah, just manipulating this the situation through that energy. And it can be super, super subtle. Mm-hmm. And it's also not necessarily an indication that we're assholes. It just is that being a human is very complicated. And we are learning how to hold um hold a default level of self-awareness that was never taught to us. Mm-hmm. So we're having to like teach ourselves and hopefully teach our children and allow our children to teach us. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're, we are coming off of generations where most of it probably was immature in the sense that people had an awareness of it, but mm, it was a, I think it was probably mostly a fairly low level of personal awareness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. And, you know, I keep going back to systems and structures, but like corporations know what they're doing. right? Churches know what they're doing. School systems know what they're doing, right? So there is some, at least in the last several hundred years, some conscious toxicity in at the collective level, at the societal level. And then on the individual level, I think it's been more of an immaturity because, oh, this is just the status quo. I'm just going along with what, and, and the awakening, like that process that you mentioned in the beginning is becoming aware of the status quo and deciding like, oh, wait, like this isn't, this isn't what I want. This is what my, what my soul is saying. This isn't what my truth is. So then there's the whole process of discovering like, well, then what is my truth? What is my purpose? What is my path? And that's kind of that awakening process. And I think more and more and more people are doing that right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what was that process like for you to whatever degree you want to share, but just like, how did you go from an extreme of feeling so in your masculine, um, coming from a place of feeling like you had to compensate without realizing it. And to the point that you lost your menstrual cycle to now being, um, you know, I don't know where I don't want to (laughs) like, I don't want to say that you're living your dream life because I don't know, but living in a way that feels more whole and balanced to you. Yeah. Yeah, It really, again, for me was like that health crisis. This is going to sound so funny, but I was reading, um, one of the game of Thrones books. I don't even remember what it was. And it was just this offhanded sentence where 
they were assuming that she would get pregnant because like, that's just the the woman's in the book. It was the woman's job. So there was a lot of layers to that, but, but I wasn't reading it that way. I was reading it as like, this is just the normal, natural biological process. And if I was in my most natural state, this biological process wouldn't be hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that I, I'm not trying to shame anybody who's listening because this is just my experience of it, but it was this realization like, wow, how unbalanced am I actually living if my body just doesn't have its basic natural functions? Um, so that was the catalyst for, and then, like I said, I started like, again, in kind of a not spiritual way at first of just like looking at the products I was using, looking at the food I was eating. So some of these, these kind of higher level things that aren't as deep or soul, um, weren't on a soul level, but it quickly got there. Um, Mm -hmm. because again, why am I eating this food? Oh, it, it like tastes good. Well, but what is, what is my actual consciousness? What is my actual relationship to this food? What is my, the actual relationship to my menstrual cycle? If I, if, if this cycle is supposed to have four phases that mimic the four phases of the moon, the four seasons of the earth, like how off kilter am I? How out of touch am I? If I'm not even in touch with the most basic rhythms, the most basic patterns. So that's kind of what it was like for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which must've been very, um, very intensely painful at times. And just like, because it really requires such a deep level of self-inventory and, and, you know, of course, as you tell it back, you're going to tell it from a place of memory, like that was in the past and, um, you know, looking at the food and questioning yourself, but I'm sure there are also a lot of really deep layers of like feeling the sadness and the grief and the things around, you know, how you had gotten into that state in the first place. Which I think is unavoidable, and most of us wish we could avoid it. It's so uncomfortable, but I think it's just kind of what we have to go into. Yeah, I remember having a conversation with my mom, who my mom is uber masculine energy. Like she's just does not sit down, can't cannot sit with herself. There's probably so much wounding there that she can't even sit with herself. Like she's just always busy, always distracting herself, and sometimes that actually really serves me, which is kind of going to sound counterintuitive, but I remember being like, again, I don't want anybody to take offense to this. If you're going through your own fertility journey, but this is just what I thought was like, I'm going to, I'm going to have a test tube baby. I'm going to have a manufactured baby. Like it just felt so unnatural to me. And that was my hang up. Like, you know, I'm, I'm so earth driven. You mentioned being Scorpio, like, you know, I have so much earth in my chart that it was like, it just, it couldn't compute in my brain. And then my mom was on the phone and she's like, Marissa, modern medicine exists for a reason. How many children like wouldn't be here if this modern medicine wasn't here? How many lives would, you know, not be positively impacted and all of that stuff. And that's actually what I needed to hear. Again, it wasn't the spiritual answer, but it was like, it kind of helped me see that it's a both and it's not an either or because I was very stuck in an either or I had, it was almost like a spiritual ideation. Like I was making it this ideal situation. And if I couldn't have this natural earth-based blah, 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 that my spirit was calling for, then I was somehow a failure. Or I was somehow not 
good enough or whatever. So I almost had to come back to reality a little bit, if that makes sense, instead of being so in the spiritual ideation of what I wanted or what my, what I thought like my soul craved, ultimately my soul craved to be a mother. Like that's one of my purposes here. That's one of my dharmic like contracts Mm -hmm. here is this mothering. Um, And now looking back, it didn't matter how I got there. Like my soul didn't care how I got there. I got there. Right. So there was a lot of muck to go through. Not, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just a straight path. Totally. And totally, exactly. It's very, it's very deep and very kind of complicated. Like muck is the perfect way because even as you're saying all that, I'm, I'm thinking, but of course you crave that because it is our natural Mm -hmm. setting, but also it's possible that we have come so far from our natural setting that sometimes we do need something to bridge the process for us, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But yeah, like I think about, well, I just discovered, okay, I'll tell you a little story. So I have these rabbits. Technically we got them to raise as meat rabbits, but we didn't really like, I don't know, we made, we did a harvest last year. And then this year I was like, I don't think I can do that again. I just can't. I love them. (laughs) I don't think I can do it. And, and so I was even contemplating setting them free and, but I couldn't, I don't know. I just wasn't sure if that was safe, but anyway, we went on holiday five weeks ago. We went away for a week and I, you know, stacked them up with food and water and I got back and they had escaped themselves. Um, oh. They had all their food and water still. So they probably jailbroke like on the second day. And yeah. it's because they're in love. They are a bonded pair and they wanted to be together. Yeah. And now they live their best lives, hopping around my yard, being in love, eating, eating my in flowers yeah, <laughs> in my garden, but they're so happy. And I just stumbled across, um, a, a little nest of her kits yesterday and her little babies. And I think like, it's, that's literally that we are literally coded to be in harmony with the earth. Mm-hmm. That's, that is our base. Like you said about your hormones, like that is our base mm-hmm. primary coding. And so it's normal that we would want to experience that. And I think that any progress we make back in that direction, male or female is um, a huge win for um, ourselves individually, for um, our lineage. If we have any children for the whole collective, but we've come such a distance from it that it's also, we're not failures if we can't achieve it in this lifetime. You know, I agree. So again, on my journey, so I I did fertility treatment to get pregnant with my first daughter ever. I breastfed her for two years. My cycle came back at about 18 months. Ever since then I'd been regular cycles and I got pregnant with my second daughter first try completely naturally. I'm not saying that's going to be everybody's journey, but I think that that was a combination of, I needed that medical restart. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have been here if I hadn't gotten that medical restart. And at the same time, concurrently is when this energetic journey started this rebalancing, this rewilding, going back to the earth, rewilding myself from the products, from the the food, but also just energetically realigning with wildness, with cycles, with rhythms. Um, And since then, like it's been, I've been regular or whatever you want to say, but I think it was a combination of both. 
Yeah, totally. I'm so glad that you shared that. And I'm curious, like what, how does the rewilding process look in your life right now as you've integrated it? Like what kind of things, if somebody's listening and they're like, what is she talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like, what okay. Like no, that's good. So I started again, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but I started with food. I rewilded what I was feeding myself. And then very quickly after that, rewilded the products that I was using, the chemicals I was using my home, et cetera. So rewilding is the process of taking a look at the systems and structures that you participate in and deciding if, and when, and how you want to exit those. So for instance, one that I'm just starting to look at right now is the school system. I don't know if I could be like a homeschool mom. Like I love my kids and mothering is part of my purpose, but I like that they go to school every day, (laughs) but I'm starting to look at my area about alternative schools or, or, you know, different types of schools. Um, so it doesn't mean I'm going to leave the system altogether, but I might make choices for me and for my family within that system that are better. Right. Um, right now, the one that I'm really looking at, so a little backstory, my husband just retired from the army. We moved back home to an expensive area of the country. And we had always planned when we retired, we bought some acreage five years ago or so we'd always planned to build a house. And, you know, we're dreaming of this house. It's big, (laughs) it's big. It has all the bells and whistles, et cetera. We moved into right now. 1000 square feet for a family of four, which was about half the size of what we were living in before. And both me and my husband looked at each other and said, I think we're staying. I think we're staying. I don't think we need the big house. So rewilding from that concept of what is success. That's what I'm going through right now. As we speak, do I need the fancy car or do I just need a car that's reliable that gets me from A to B. Do I need the big ass house or would I rather save my resources, heat and cool a smaller house, have a mortgage that is smaller, that allows me to do more things with my family and pour more into my community. So that's what I'm like really rewilding from right now is that what is success? Mm -hmm. I relate to that so much. I'm going through a lot of that right now too. And I have a feeling I'm not an astrologer, but I have a feeling that it has to do with this Venus in retrograde kind of thing mm-hmm. because it's like earthly things, romance, relationships, values, all that kind of stuff is being reconsidered and reevaluated on a very deep level. Um, and I think it's interesting because it's not a conversation. I don't know what you've experienced. Like I've been in some um, business masterminds and received different um, kinds of business coaching. And I feel like it's a conversation that, like everybody acknowledges it like in, in smaller conversations, but it's not a large conversation that anyone is really broadcasting or not many people that, that the idea that, um, maybe we can be happier on less and that's not, that isn't mm. a form of self-sabotage. Like that's what I'm coming up against is the projection Um, and waiting through the projections that like, it's, it's meeting a fear wall within myself and self-sabotaging. And I'm like, I don't think it is. I really think it's just that what matters the most to me by far is my family. That's just what matters. And everything else can fit around that. Could I have a seven figure business if I wanted to within probably six months, a year? Yes. 
Do I want Mm -hmm. a seven figure business? Absolutely not. Like I know what revenue amount is feeds, feeds my family, feeds Mm -hmm. my soul, feeds into my community, allows me to support other small businesses, allows me to donate, allows me to participate in, in like humanitarian or generative things. And, and I know how much white space that gives me on my calendar for rest, for cyclical pursuits, like for time to be up in energy and down in energy. Um, you know, again, speaking of family, like the field trip, I get to go on the field trip. When I was raised on by a single mom, single mom had to work. Like I didn't have a parent on the field trip, you know? So those types of things are way more important to me than hitting that seven figure mark. It's just, and that's what I mean by like redefining success and taking a look at toxic masculine definition of success. And the reason we feel bad and the reason we feel guilty is because we've conditioned, been conditioned to believe that that means you're successful. If you have mm-hmm. the big house, the big car, if you're, if you are growing by 10% every year, et cetera, if you have the vacation home, if you have the, this again, it's all individualized. It's all about stepping on the little guy to get to the big, to, for the big guy to get more. And the feminine de- definition of success is completely different. And we're talking in business concept, but this can be in your family too. Like, what are your values? What are you prioritizing at home? What are you prioritizing, you know, with your partner in your romantic relationship? Like the definitions of success can shift. Yeah. Like for example, let's say even if somebody's not even in that, like they don't have a family and so they can't relate to in the sense that their family is their, their most important value, it can still show up like, you know, let's say that you have a job, you, you are an employee to a company or another person. Um, and it's kind of like, in what ways are you performing? Because it's what you have been conditioned to believe that's what you have to do in order to da 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 And does da 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 actually matter to you at the end of the day? Or is it something that we have again, been conditioned to believe matters? We have been conditioned to believe a lot of those things matter and they really actually don't. And the energy that comes through to me is like, it's almost like we're healing a big um, prostitution archetype wound, Mm -hmm. which can show up in a bajillion ways. It's not just um, literally trading sex for money, but it's, it's trading our sacral energy and our life force, our creativity, Mm -hmm. um, our relationship energy for things that we think we need in order to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredibly sad. Yeah. And it is, it's like a bummer that everybody's that we're, we're in this place. It's beautiful that we're in a place where we are working on healing it, but it's also kind of like sad to, to think. I always think about what this world, I, I mean, I can barely begin to imagine it, what the world could be like if we all were utilizing our life force energy in alignment, meaning just meaning like we could see the value of that resource and we were no longer operating within any paradigms that say we have to compromise it for something that goes against our inherent values. And therefore we're able to use that resource of that creative energy to like very intentionally, I don't have no idea what we would create, (laughs) but I think I totally agree. We're kind of spoon fed this idea of like, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life, Mm -hmm. which 
on the surface sounds really lovely, but it's still tied to work and productivity and output, right? You still have to be doing, it's do what you love, right? It's not feel how you want to feel, right? Feel how you want to feel and the rest of the world will rise with you. That's what that's what we take or we think about when we hear do what you love, you'll never work in the day. But it's not what they're actually saying. And then it's not what we're being taught and raised to do. What we when when what we really want is be in alignment. Feel how you want to feel. Feel completely true to yourself. And when you radiate that, you're going to lift everybody around you. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. And I personally, I feel like, um, I have a lot of caution around specifically Instagram, but I'm not really a huge social media person. I'm sure it applies to TikTok as well. And YouTube as well. And probably Facebook too. I don't even know. I don't think threads. Cause I, I've heard <laughs> that there's no image stuff that's based yeah. with it, but, but Instagram specifically, um, is like a moving vision board. Mm-hmm. that we don't necessarily realize we're creating. So we're constantly being fed imagery yeah. and that imagery, we create associations. So it can be an association even outside of what the, you know, the image poster is saying, right? So sometimes we just see an image and there's no text on it and we don't bother reading the text of the person that they wrote, but we create a meaning out of it. And basically what we're doing is we're populating our our subconscious through our reticular activating system with a whole bunch of perceptions of what it means to be successful that may or may not actually resonate with us. Mm-hmm. And the same is true for TV. I was visiting my friend on the weekend and we were out at a hotel and I don't have cable. So I turn on the TV just to see what's what. And, um, we put on, um, HGTV mm-hmm. and, it was just interesting to watch like these beautiful remodels of houses, but I was like, no wonder everybody thinks they need a fucking gigantic house Yeah, because you see it and it's associated with the perception of success and mm-hmm. happiness. And usually the couple's happy, although of course they're not going to show that they're not happy right. in the edited cut, of, right. you know, internationally broadcasted television show, but mm-hmm. we get this idea of what, what happiness is supposed to look like and we can spend so much of our resources obviously our money but our time our imaginational time our actual like creative um you know planning and like our juicy creative time and also our doing our masculine energy doing time creating these lives that don't actually bring us satisfaction at the end of the day yeah it's like we hear this phrase again, keeping up with the Joneses. It's like that, that was brought up in the fifties when people start, well, probably a little earlier than that, but when people started moving to planned communities instead Mm -hmm. of living on land. Right. So really kind of, we have industrial revolution happening. We have people leaving farms and moving to cities. And then we have people leaving cities and moving to suburbs. Right. And keeping up with the Joneses originated in that because all of a sudden, you know, Joe Jones across the street, he works at XYZ factory and he just brought home the brand new Buick and you're still sitting there in the Chevy or whatever. And it's like, oh, well, you know, Bill, you better go whatever, put in overtime so you can have the Buick. Like that's where this all came from in the keeping up with the Joneses. Now we have this digital age where we can see Jones 
across the world in an instant. And we've got all of these other, like just this excess to try and keep up with now. Um, like now we have keeping up with the Kardashians, which I'm just putting this together now, but that's where that right? comes from, <laughs> right? It was keeping up with Jones across the street. Now it's keeping up with billionaire Barbies, basically like, so yeah, all of that is the messaging that we are receiving. So the rewilding process, it's not an easy one. It's much easier to go along. It's much easier to stay asleep. It's hard to be awake. And then to consciously make these choices of how am I going to step out of that machine? How, if everybody, if the masses are going left and I'm going to go right, that's hard. You're swimming upstream essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's much easier to go along than it is to go against. Yeah. And I feel like one of the hardest parts is the sort of the process of internal gaslighting that happens Mm. because, because it's all like when we're in it, we, it's hard to see. It's, it just, it feels muddy. Like you're swimming against the stream and you think like, am I literally going the wrong way? <laughs> Should I well turn around and just swim with everybody else? Other people keep telling me that this is the way to go, but it doesn't feel like it's the way to go. It's yeah. Like there's all this, like having to work through it. It's a, it's a process for sure. But I also think that it seems easier to be asleep. Sometimes I wish I could go back to sleep, but I, I think it's also not because people just don't feel well and they have no idea why they feel right. really unhappy and they don't know why. And <clears throat> so they don't know how to fix it. Yeah, I agree on the opposite side of, oh, I wouldn't. Okay. So that's masculine opposite side, linear, right? Like black and white. So really when we're thinking feminine, it cycles. So the stage right before uh, rewilding and at the end of the cycle is revillaging. So some Mm. of this happens and it feels very isolating, right? We're stepping out of the, the stream and we're deciding to swim the other way, but all of a sudden you look over and you see another person swimming the same way you are and you found your person, right? You, you have to revillage. And in the awakening process, sometimes we lose friends, we lose family because they're just, they're just not going to ever be swimming the same direction that we're swimming. So this is where we talk about like found family, um, things like friends givings and stuff like that, where people are choosing whom they want to identify with as family that's revillaging. And I think that's important on the spiritual journey and on the awakening journey too, because you have to find the people who are going to support you as you go against the grain, as you, as you stay awake. A hundred percent. And, and I think that's why like joining communities, um, both free and paid is, is one of the best things that we can decide to do. If you're in a situation where you really don't have two nickels to rub together and you can't afford to, um, join a paid community, then maximize free ones. Cause there are so many, I still think that Facebook groups are like, this is literally the only reason I'm on Facebook at all yeah, 100%. is because I have a group and I'm part of a handful of groups that are worth it. Um, And then, but also I'll say too, like paid communities are amazing because what happens is when you, when you pay for it, basically the money is a, it's a symbolic representation of your power. It's the amount of power that you are putting decisively forward to say like, I'm, I'm going in this path now. I am deciding to swim in this direction. And you also get to swim with a whole bunch of other people that likewise 
um, have invested some of their power chips into this decision. And so you feel so reinforced and bolstered by it. When you're having moments of self-doubt and craziness, it's a lot harder to get um, taken down by those when you just check into your community, wherever it's being held and you see like, oh yeah, a whole bunch of other people are swimming in this direction too. Yeah. Yeah. And this, so when we say like the feminine is rising, this is where I see it so much play out in like day-to-day life is, you know, loneliness is an epidemic of itself. People have been again, toxic, masculine, completely isolated, left to achieve success on their own. Right. And it's become a problem. Like there is, oh gosh, I can't think of what they're called. It's like a a warning that's put out advisory or something about the epidemic of loneliness and how it will become like, it's, it's a health problem. It's a, it's a cause for a lot of suicides. All of those things is this loneliness epidemic. The feminine is rising to help with that. Remember feminine is communal. So I'm seeing so many things of like book, the resurgence of book clubs, right? Like how can we get together? How can we, um, find ways to, to spend time together? And I think post pandemic, of course, that's going to have an impact on, on this resurgence. So in the business space, um, you're going to see a lot of retreats, a lot of in-person events being sold again. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm even seeing this too, like, in, in my hometown, like I said, I, I live in a kind of an expensive area. There's an older woman and she has a big house and all her kids have moved out and she just put a post on Facebook. So I think like social media can be a tool as well, but she just put a post on Facebook. She says, I have three rooms and three bathrooms in this house. It, I, all of you who are looking for a place to rent that you can't afford on your own, come live in my house. I'll be the grandma to your kids. Like I'll help you. Like, and there's now this like kind of, it's not multi-generational because they're not all related, but there's this house that in my town where there's three single women with their kids who've moved in with this older kind of crone. So she's kind of has this crone energy, this grandmother wisdom energy. And these single women moved in. And I was watching this unfold on, in this local Facebook group of, of my town and I'm just bawling, but that's, that's the feminine. She's just, she's coming up in just these, not sneaky ways, but like these just little ways, like here's pop, pop, pop. And then pretty soon, hopefully we're going to feel a real shift, a real shift in the places that matter, like government and like these other systems and structures that we've been talking about. So it's really, it's really cool to witness. I'm so glad you shared that. I feel like that's going to carry through me through my whole day. That story. I'm just like, this is the greatest thing I feel like I've heard in a week mm-hmm. that there's this safe place now for um, mothers and children to be together. And I'm so, I'm feeling so tender right now about relationships and family and which can include chosen family, as you were yeah. saying, but basically those extremely deep soul level bonds where we just feel bonded through lifetimes and eons. I feel like those are of such a high priority at this time and preserving those and honoring them and bringing them back together. And I guess that's the feminine rising too, is being able to recognize that, right. And be like, this is actually what wealth is. Like we think wealth is money. Money is a fabricated, it's totally fabricated. It's not even backed by anything. It's a fiat currency. (laughs) Completely arbitrary. Yes. 
though, like those connections, those, those family bonds or chosen family bonds, those romantic partnerships, those deep soul friendships, Mm -hmm. those are wealth. Mm -hmm. And if we can prioritize those and, um, really like protect them, preserve them, set them up to flourish, we will feel wealthy collectively. We will, nothing bad will ever come of that. Only good things will ever um, grow from that. Yeah. Yeah. I think like when you're talking the, the bond and the love, so there's like love wealth, there's Mm -hmm. monetary wealth, there's love wealth, there's time wealth. Like I I'm really excited. This is going to be kind of silly, but I like to knit. It's a skill that I got from my grandmother. So it makes me feel connected to her. Also, there's the the magic of weaving. I'm very much a weaver, not only with my hands, but of situations and of people. And I like, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's part of my, my mysticism. And I found this knitting pattern that um, I was just checking my email right before we hopped on. And I'm like, oh my God, that's beautiful. I'm going to make it. So I'm going to, when we hang up, I'm going to run over to the craft store and I'm going to grab some yarn and I'm going to spend two hours knitting. So there's also this time wealth of the ability to spend time pursuing those passions, like that life force energy that you were talking about. So it's like, it's, it's love wealth. It's time wealth, um, passion wealth that like Kundalini, that life force that you're talking about, that I think is what we really need to make the shift of and defining that as success. If you're rich in that, then I don't think it matters what kind of money you have. Totally. And I think honestly, though, I think that if you're rich in that and you allow yourself to be rich in that as your, your focus or the thing that you center, I think this is a theory, mm-hmm. the money follows oh, because- then are you are rich, like you understand and feel yourself as rich in accordance to what is in true alignment for your heart and soul. And so every other form of wealth really has to flow in your direction. I agree. And I feel like that came out of my mouth and sounded privileged. Like it doesn't matter what kind of money you have. And that's not what I, I meant by that. There's definitely situations where we, we still live in a society that needs money. And so, you know, if we're struggling for that, that's, that's legitimate. Um, but I think if you're, you know, when we're in a state where our, where our bills are paid and we're at that striving for more place, like kind of how I am, where I'm like realizing that the small house is just fine, right? What are you told as well? And if you can redefine that and reclaim that definition for yourself, I think that's, that's what's important. Yeah, but totally. But I don't think you should, I really don't like the whole privilege thing. My personal feeling about it is like, it's, um, I don't think anybody should have to apologize for their perspective, you know, and, um, you're, you're living the life that you live and you're just sharing it from your perspective. And I can see though, like, even if somebody is in a place where they're really struggling to pay the bills, it's the same energetic is available. It's just Mm going to come up in a different form, but it's the same thing where you can really get like into your heart and feel what is important to you, what matters more than anything. And in all the little tiny ways that you can, you funnel your energy and your attention and your intention and your power into those things. Even if it's in little snatches and bits and pieces and stolen moments, that's, that's what it's really all about. And then if you are in a place where you have the luxury or the 
the benefit really, because I think it's a birthright. I don't even think we should call it a luxury. I really feel like it's a birthright and it just fucking sucks that everybody's not in that position. But if your root chakra is secure, which is how it's supposed to be, then, you know, you can start putting it into bigger things, right? But we can all access that. And the thing is that no matter how hard it is, nobody nobody's going to come save us from it. And it's, that's, I mean, it's hard for me to even say that. It feels like a hard pill to swallow, um, that nobody's going to come save us, even if we deserve to be saved, even if we absolutely deserve it and we've done nothing wrong. And so we are the ones that have to make those powerful choices with whatever resources we have available, even if it's like 10 minutes a day to put it into something that is important to us. Um, because that is the way out. And nobody can do that for us. Nobody can do it on our behalf. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I'm thinking of kind of like, again, there's the individualistic individual level and then the collective level. And it's like my hope in the work that I'm doing and helping people reclaim the feminine on the individual level is that it can permeate out to the collective level. And then and then we would have a society where we don't need help or rescuing from, you know, it feels a little like a pipe dream, but it also feels like really magical too. And the more people who hold that vision, the more closely to reality that it can become. A hundred percent. And I think it only feels like a pipe dream because we're at the beginning of it. Um, kind of like, you know, when you plant a garden from seeds, like it feels like pipe dream because yeah. we don't see anything, but I, I feel like it is inevitable. Like the vision that you're seeing, I see it too. I feel like it's inevitable. It's where we're going and we're just living out the process of its unfolding, which is beautiful, but also intense all at the same time. In therapy, we call that the messy middle. So you you come to therapy and you're, you're like at this place that it sucks. And then you start the healing and it looks worse than it did when you started, but it's because it has to get like the muck word that we were using earlier, like the messy middle has to happen. And then you have, you know, the outcome that you're wanting. And we're kind of like, I think we're just at the start of the messy middle. We got a lot more messy middle to go through, but I think we're on the way to this outcome that we're, that we're all holding. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. This was such a beautiful conversation. And I thank you. I I, love it. I feel like, oh my gosh, we didn't even talk about feminine mysticism or our divine feminine archetypes or being an earth priestess. (laughs) So you're going to have to come back on so that we can- I was going to say, we could do a part two. There's so much here. And I think there's, there's so many directions that this can go. Um, But understanding that, you know, there's the penetrative doing- effort-based masculine, and that can be wounded and that can be healed. And then there's the receptive, flowing, um, intuitive feminine, and that can be wounded and that can be healed. I think that's a really good place to kind of start and understand that every person alive has access to both. And ultimately the end goal, if we want to call it that would be to have an integration of both. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 100%. Would you share with us um, how everybody can find you, which of course will be linked in the show notes, but also um, anything that you've got going on, anything that you would love to share with the audience? Yeah. So super easy, Rooted Feminine everywhere. So rootedfeminine.com. I also have a podcast as well. So if you enjoy listening, you can head out to 
um, the Rooted Feminine podcast on any of your players that you listen on. Um, and then if I, I don't do Instagram, I have a very small presence there and I outsource it because like you, I have a love hate relationship, but if you do like Instagram, it's at Rooted Feminine with an underscore there. Um, some of the stuff that we've been talking about in terms of rewilding and rhythms and those things, I actually have a quiz for you and you can find that at rootedfeminine.com slash quiz. And it helps you see which of these seasons are you in? Are you in a rewilding season? Are you in a revillaging season? Are you in a season that you need more rhythms or more rituals? Um, so that quiz is really fun. Again, that's rootedfeminine.com slash quiz. Amazing. That quiz will be linked in the show notes too, because you shared it with us. So Everybody, I know some people have mixed results with the show notes, but I do, I swear, May always links it. So I don't know, take it up with your podcast platform. But (laughs) um, (laughs) apart from that, is there anything, anything you got going on in terms of um, programs or anything that you'd like to share? Um, so on Monday, I have a shadow work workshop where we're doing womb energies. So we will be working with some archetypes there. We'll be working with seductress with witch and with dark goddess. So if that sounds fun for you, um, programming wise, I have a couple of things. Um, I have a sacred living subscription. It's super cheap. It's $9 a month, um, where you get access to a library of things like meditations, um, crystal grids, tarot card spreads, like all kinds of things, just little tools. And there's a new one added every month. So that one's really accessible and really affordable. Um, and then I do have a program called rooted, which is more of, um, that revillaging where we come together in sisterhood. We walk together for a year and we're walking through a different feminine archetype, um, every month working through seasons. So in spring, we do emerge in summer, we do liberate in fall, we do shadow and in winter we do heal. Beautiful. I love year-long containers too. I also have a year-long one going. I just feel like so much magic and transformation happens in a year. If you just let yourself like commit to a year, it's just so good. Yeah. Cool. That sounds amazing. Well, anybody who's listening, if you are feeling the call to um, work with Marissa and deepen your relationship with your inner feminine, your divine feminine, I hope that you will do so. Otherwise, thank you so much for being here, Marissa, and sharing your perspective and your time with us. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you, beautiful listeners. I love you so much. I appreciate the powerful currency of your attention. As always, I wouldn't do this if it weren't for you. So thank you for being here. Love you guys.